Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to the Nichols Family Lawyers podcast. This is the fourth podcast in our series. My name is Sally Nichols and I'm the managing partner at Nichols Family Lawyers. I'm joined today by Trevor Diamond, director at Syracuse. Trevor is a chartered accountant and tax advisor at Syracuse, a leading team of expert accountants and business advisors in Melbourne. I've invited Trevor today to talk about the government's various economic initiatives announced in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic and to help us really unpack these initiatives in further detail. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you, Sally. And I'm very glad to join you today. And it's certainly a um, uh, tumultuous time for, for businesses and, and obviously individuals in the economy, um, in our client base, in our, in our friends, our friendship circles. And certainly um, we're all keen to, to make sure that people access the help and the information they need to, um, to deal with whatever issues they're facing at the moment. Absolutely. And look, needless to say, this economic fallout from this pandemic has been so far reaching. Um, Australia's already seen, um, Trevor, the widespread job loss and whole sectors effectively brought to their knees, including tourism, hospitality and retail. In response, the federal and Victorian government has announced various stimulus packages and initiatives to hopefully mitigate the impending recession, with a particular focus on small to medium-sized businesses and Australian households, so Trevor, if you could start by taking us through some of the government proposed initiatives, I think that would really help people, focusing first on businesses. Thanks, Sally. The first, um, one of the first announcements that was made on the 12th of March um, was around uh, businesses that employ and providing what they call a, a boosting cash flow for, for employers uh, program, whereby they effectively provide a rebate uh, linked to the amount of pays ago withholding reported on uh, basses for the March month or March quarter as appropriate. Now, the real reason for this is to, uh, in our view, is, is to encourage employers to keep staff employed and not make any rash decisions. They want the economy to continue and they want money in employees' hands to keep spending to the extent that they can. Um, this was then um, doubled on the 22nd of March um, such that eligible employers can receive up to $50,000 with reference to the March month or quarter um, as, a, as, a, as a rebate against their pay-to-go withholding amounts, and then another $25,000 uh, against the June quarter BAS and a further $25,000 against the September quarter BAS. Uh, and those amounts that I've quoted are the caps, that the maximums that businesses can claim back. Um, businesses need to speak to their tax advisors and actually understand what it means for them. Um, but effectively, it is a significant cash flow boost for those businesses employing staff. Um, and we've had um, 
probably uh, three or four dozen examples in the last week or two in our client base of where we've provided some really good advice to the clients about the, the, the cash that is coming their way when they load their March um, basses. Um, and most tax agents would be comfortable that the government has come out so strongly um, in this way to really support businesses. Um, most, as I said, most businesses have some sort of support around them, i.e. bookkeeping or their external accountant. Uh, and what we've seen is they've mobilised really quickly to ask the question, what does this mean for me? And I'd encourage anyone out there who hasn't, um, you need to get in front of your advisor, uh, whether it's your bookkeeper, your accountant, your tax agent, and really understand what it means and make the best decisions you can now, now that the March quarter passes are due. And I can imagine too with family law matters that when people are actually looking at the valuation of businesses, that this type of advice would be invaluable. And um, also it'd be very, very difficult to even think about valuing a business um, at this period of time without actually taking all this stimulus package into account too. Um, and there's a couple of things that come to mind when I look at it. Firstly, what would we sometimes have cases and they're rare where one party actually won't pay tax. They're um, putting their head in the sand a little bit in the process. If someone wasn't actually taking advantage of the stimulus in an obstructive way, what would you recommend that we actually do? Um, if we came to you and actually got the advice, there are there is a possibility of going to court if necessary to seek that a party follows the um, and fills fills out the necessary I guess um, forms. Um, but it would be a very um, I guess uh, disadvantage and um, thing to do when you've got um, these government stimuluses not to get ahead of the queue, don't you think? So um, the interesting part about a lot of these measures is that they are relatively automatic. So the one I've just talked about is the business lodges its bass in March and keeps lodging basses in April, May, June, and so on. And the ATO will calculate and automatically credit the business with what they are entitled to. So for most businesses, they don't need to do anything. The right. decisions they're making around who they're employing, so do they cut staff or not cut staff, may impact upon that. Or if they haven't lodged their documents, they, they've got a poor lodgement history, um, then that may well be an issue where um, one party could say, look, you need to comply with your lodgements. Um, the ATO, I think, have said that there's about two years for, the, for a taxpayer for, to apply for this stimulus. So they've gotten, you know, I think it's, I'll need to check, but it's a couple of years until they lodge this bass and they'll still get their stimulus. So they don't have to lodge by April 28 to get the money. So sure. it's, it is there. Um, there's other things that do require um, the business to do, do things. So in Victoria, Dan Andrews was very quick off the mark to effectively refund payroll tax for Victorian employers for the current financial year. Uh, initially, they said it was to be automatic. Now, uh, in the last week, they've said you must apply. So where you have a business that doesn't apply for the refund, they won't get it. Um, for our business, that was a significant number because we've got 25 staff and so we've applied for it and received it. Um, so if you did have a business owner who was being obstructive and not applying for that, then you would have um, you know, genuine cause to, to approach them and say, this, this isn't right. And if they're acting in the best interest of the business, they get that cash back. Um, and there are some other measures that do require the business to make a decision. Um, you will most likely get onto the, the new JobKeeper um, subsidy that's been put forward as an announcement without legislation yet. Um, and that does require 
each business to really think about their decision around employing people and who they keep on and who they might re-employ after they go. So there's some pretty, some very um, pertinent commercial decisions that have to be made now for the business to maximise the subsidy they might receive from the federal or state government. Absolutely. And would you think at this period of time, we've got a lot of clients saying, what should I do about my family law property settlement negotiations? How could we possibly value a business in this um, particular climate? What would you say to them um, at the moment? We've had these issues with, uh, I guess, property valuations that has been, have come up in the last couple of weeks, given the tenancies for some of our clients are affected, um, the commercial tenancies especially. Um, I think it is unch it's uncharted territory and you do have a situation where um, if, you're, if you were advising a client, um, you need to think about um, what's in their best interest and depending on the nature of the business, if it was a cafe or another business that has been significantly affected by what's happening, you really have to question whether um, you know, entering into a sale in this environment is the best for anyone. Um, the, the viability of those businesses, even with some of the support that's out there, has to be questioned and you may well need to advise your client, we just need to get through the next four or six months, whatever it is, and come out the other end and see where things sit. I mean, it seems to me that more than ever, we need clients to really consider alternative dispute resolution where people collaborate. They may be separated, but maximise the advantage of keeping businesses going. And people have come to me and said, look, can we still separate? And I said, yes, you can still separate, mm. sadly, if, if that's where um, the relationship has come to. But in terms of... Um, looking at their domestic, their assets, whether they've been in a domestic relationship or they've been married, you want to make sure that you act and conduct yourself in such a way um, in these really unprecedented times as you should always um, conduct yourself to ensure that those um, businesses, for example, keep operating and um, to support each other in that way because it's only going to benefit the family. Um, so yes, talking... And, and I was, um, the, one of the issues around... Uh, all of the property of a marriage is, you know, you've got real estate, you've got business, you've got investments with share markets. Mm. Um, all of those, and you've got obviously superannuation, all of those investments are going to be impacted differently and there are going to be opportunistic people out there looking to buy assets cheaply. And we, we have also have that within our client base, people looking for the opportunities to buy assets cheaply. So um, you, you would need to exercise extreme caution in this market if you're entering into any transaction to dispose of any assets. Oh, absolutely. And I think in terms of discovery, I think both parties would need to be completely transparent about what they are taking advantage of and, and that they are actually making prudent decisions with somebody like yourself advising them. You know, they both have accountants, getting the accountants to put both their heads together to make mm. sure that they're maximising that, that um, all those stimuluses and all those packages to the best advantage of the family asset. Now, having a look at the um, support provided for individuals and households, you mentioned um, the supplement that's coming in um, for um, job seekers or, um, and that will be supporting businesses that have a 30% downturn. I understand the legislation yes. coming in. Have you got any tips for businesses about that at the moment? So we have um, a fact sheet has just been released in the last couple of days about this and I think... Um, Businesses need to look at 1 March, which is the relevant date, and understand 
how this proposed subsidy applies to all the employees they have at one march. Yes. Um, they then need to um, consider whether they keep staff on and receive the subsidy. Um, because what you have is, if, if, you've, if you've employed someone and kept them employed right now, you're still subject to the employment contract you have with that staff member. Mm. Um, and yes, you might receive a $1,500 a fortnight subsidy from the government, but you still need to pay that person. So you still need to be commercial about, can I afford to pay the excess? Um, we're seeing some interesting outcomes when we've modelled this for clients. Um, some clients, um, the combination of the cash, cash flow boost on wages that we talked about before and the JobKeeper payment means that they are being subsidised quite heavily to keep their staff members in employment, which is what the government wants to do. Um, in terms of um, staff members' businesses, sorry, in terms of what we're seeing in our client businesses, they are still needing to make commercial decisions about what the next one to six months looks like for their businesses, what staffing they need, and then they can consider the JobKeeper coming in as a subsidy at 1500 or fortnight for the staff they keep. So I think the more methodical they are in planning their business, then the better off they will be when we finally get out of lockdown and the economy returns to some level of normality. I can imagine um, too, staff morale is going to be very important as well because if you have got a business that was booming, for example, or doing well before the coronavirus and you have um, good staff, it's going to be such a juggling act to make sure you keep that workforce going and their morale boosted and, and also but to be economic about it as well too. It's really, really important. And I think we're seeing that within our client base that most of our clients are looking at this as how do I keep my staff employed with me? Mm. I might reduce their hours, um, but with the government incentives and the JobKeeper being the, the most recent one, um, they're looking at ways to keep people employed and that's, that's, that's a fantastic outcome. Um, but ultimately the businesses have to have to trade profitably or at least break even um, or be supported somehow. Um, and there's a number of other measures. Obviously the banks uh, are slowly coming to the party in supporting SME businesses with deferred loan repayments, et cetera. There's a number of, um, of other Victorian and, and federal government incentives. And if, if you add those up, um, we're saying that most of our clients' businesses will be able, uh, will be able to continue and come out the other end somehow. Yeah. And that's, that's well, good. So it shows the government incentive packages are working. I think absolutely vital that they actually confer with someone like yourself, Trevor. I, I can't imagine anybody being able to navigate it. I think all the, um, without your help and your expertise, because there's a lot of information out there, but people probably mistake what they might read in the newspapers as um, fact or the actual package. But, um, for example, legislation isn't currently out to support a lot of these government policies or proposals, and I think people don't really realise that, that they hear that these... Um, Schemes are up and running, but not quite until the legislation's passed. Um, there's not even the infrastructure, for example, yet within ta the tax department to process some of these things. So it's 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 all um, it's very very important um, to actually deal with someone like yourself to actually navigate and charter um, these really unprecedented waters. I think. And and I couldn't agree more. Mm. The announcements come out, and everyone digests the announcements. But until we have legislation, we don't know how it's going to be implemented and where the um, uh, where the issues might be in that legislation. Um, we had that last week, we had legislation early in the week. We managed to then 
put a circular out to our client saying this is what it actually means. And it gives us comfort that we can tell clients, yes, you can do this in this way. The JobKeeper is another example where we have a fact sheet from the ATO, which is from the government, which is very useful. It's four pages long. However, until we see the legislation and until legislation is passed, we cannot tell clients with certainty this is what you need to do because they're going to make significant commercial decisions based on this information. And we hope it is as close to the fact sheet as possible. Um, but certainly, you know, now is the time to lean on your circle of advisors, your, you know, your bookkeeper, accountant, lawyer, financial planner, whoever that is, and go to the get the facts uh, and not, I guess not rely on media releases and, and the general media um, because the devil is always in the detail, as, yes. as you would well understand. So anyone listening to this podcast can actually go onto your um, website and actually download those um, fact sheets. Would they be there, available? Uh, yes, we will make sure that they are available on our website, which is syracuse.com.au. Great. And we'll make sure we'll have links um, available um, uh, with the podcast um, to make sure that people can actually access it, access that information. It's really important. So looking at, um, perhaps now looking at the support provider for individuals and households, um, could you talk a bit about the supplement, for example, um, and the youth allowance and the job seeker payment? So one of the earliest announcements that the government made um, was to really make significant increases to the income support payments that Centrelink administer. Um, and one of that was to... Um, make a coronavirus supplement of 550 per fortnight, um, which is paid to existing and new recipients of job seeker, youth allowance, job seeker, parenting payment, farm household allowance, and special benefit. And that is really to to do what I guess the Rudd government did in the GFC is get money into households' hands quickly and as much as possible to stabilise the economy. And that will continue while this um, I guess this emergency is 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 in effect. They also announced two payments of $750 to um, income support recipients, one on 31 March, which obviously went through last week, and a second payment on 13 July 2020. And with exactly the same intent to get money into the economy and really help people who um, were looking for jobs or they've lost their job to really make sure that they can, can continue to survive during this, um, during this crisis. And what about the early release of superannuation? Is that something that people might want to also talk about with their financial advisors? Because I understand that there is that $10,000 um, release um, for people who are eligible. Is that something too that people might want to think about their age and stage before they actually go for that release of that money? Yes, we, uh, we're accountants, we're not financial planners, so we can't yeah. give licence advice in that area. Yes. What I would say to people is, you need to get financial advice before you do this. It does sound like a little bit of money and, and the implications are low, but I would, um, you know, if it was my client, I'd want them to exhaust every other avenue before they access their super yes. um, by way of income support, et cetera, um, because the superannuation environment is uh, such a, an attractive tax environment and it is there for people's retirement. Um, I understand why this measure has been introduced for some people who literally it's their last resort they need to access ten thousand dollars but yes. i would encourage people to look at every other opportunity before they access their super 
Yes, and particularly with the, the self-managed funds with the value of shares going down so dramatically, it's um, exactly it, yeah, it, it's very critical. As you said, neither of us are financial advisors, but it's something that we want to send people off to um, financial advisors to have a chat about. Perhaps we'll have to do a podcast with a financial advisor to answer some of these questions. Um, so parties negotiating a family law settlement, I really need to be mindful of their ability to an early release of superannuation too when negotiating super split, but also in relation to all the existing um, allowances for income as well. And um, including also actually the childcare um, rebate that's just come out, which again, too, I think that is still just policy. I think the devil will be in that detail too. So we might actually defer that for another podcast. But that's a very interesting um, development in terms of holding places and um, another incentive to try and keep the workforce going and also childcare centres open. I don't know if you've got any clients who might have childcare centres, but that's going to probably give them a bit of relief too. Look, we do, um, but as a relatively new measure and not seeing legislation, it's it's yeah. one of those things. Until you see how the how the workforce is going to react to that news, it's it's hard to to, to have an opinion on it at this stage. Absolutely. So, lastly, let's talk a bit about how the government has sought to support the flow of credit. What would you like to comment about that, Trev? So, I've certainly seen a lot of excitement excitement in our client base. In relation to these you know, SME loans being guaranteed or partially guaranteed by the federal government, I think the, the the caution I would put out there is it is still subject to lending criteria, and yes. the banks are still going to look at a proposal um, as they normally would. Um, we have a number of clients who have approached their banks to get relief, whether it's they need working capital because their revenue has dropped but their fixed costs are still there, or whether they want to defer some repayments to give them give themselves some breathing space. Um, we're yet to see any conclusions from the banks. Certainly there's a lot of applications and discussions, but it's early days as to how the banks actually um, assess those applications and whether they approve them or not. That'd be very interesting, I guess, in the next, next few weeks to see what they do. Um, and certainly from a commercial perspective, um, the discussions around the impact from commercial landlords and tenants with tenants asking for relief what the commercial tenants, sorry, commercial landlords can do in that case and whether they can approach their lenders to get some relief um, if their rent receipts are going to be significantly affected each month. Um, mm. Once again, um, it's early days as to uh, the, the, the requests that are coming in from some of our clients' tenants, yes. if they're landlords, and um, whether banks will come to the party and provide relief, whether it's by lower interest rates or deferral of repayments. It really needs to be both sides, doesn't it? It's really important. And you can see that the government's attempting to do that, but you need cooperation from both banks and, um, you know, landlords in that, that situation, don't you? Exactly right. And that's what Scott Morrison was saying is we're in this together. Yes. Um, landlords look after your tenants, banks look after your clients, and we'll get through this together. But as we well know, the mechanics of this is difficult and the legalities are difficult. So um, yeah. you hope that people go in with the best of intentions. Um, yeah. But so with the banks, we're not seeing any concrete answers as yet. It's all in the discussion and application phase. So Yeah. And, re and really tough when you've got um, the directive from the government to have the workforce mainly working from home. Often leases are practically frustrated if you can't actually have clients in an office space or actually use the office space it must be very frustrating for commercial tenants on the other hand as well so it's a really difficult situation 
Lastly, what, what has the Victorian government offered individuals and businesses? What, what sort of tax concessions are available at the moment? So certainly the, the major one and the largest one for employers that um, that, that, that we uh, have been dealing with is the payroll tax refund for the current financial year. That has significant benef benefits for Victorian employers um, and they did that really quickly, which is, which is good. Um, they initially said that it needed, it was automatic, but then they came out about a week or two ago and said you need to apply. That process is very simple. So we've been telling clients that are affected who pay payroll tax, get on, get online, ask for your refund, and it will be banked, be banked in a few days. Um, the second uh, measure that was introduced was for um, in terms of land tax was there were land tax deferrals available for some small businesses who had land holdings less than a million dollars, including one non-commercial property, uh, where they would defer that to 31 December 2020. So not a subsidy, just a deferral. Um, there was waiving of liquor licensing fees for venues that were affected, obviously, with the, with the shutdown. Mm. Um, there's a business support fund um, of $500 million, obviously affecting um, areas such as hospitality, tourism, accommodation, et cetera, mm. um, where you can apply for certain grants for that. And we've had some clients applying for those grants already. Um, so the Victorian government are doing... Um, I guess their fair share to make sure that um, they can support the Victorian economy um, as much as possible, get through the next period of time, whatever that is, within you know the control of the taxes that I guess that they administer. Okay, Trevor, thank you so much. That's so much food for thought, and um, I really appreciate that. And we're really hoping, in terms of the family law context um, generally, too, that this will provide some navigation. And we would really urge people to again try and work collaboratively together. This is the last um, moment where people would want to be litigious or adversarial, but uh, take advantage of working together as a team, whether they're together or separated, um, it's really important to make sure more than ever that they're working to maximise um, their asset pool, take advantage of the um, concessions that are being offered. And um, it's a slightly new reality here at the moment. And hopefully if everyone practices social isolation, it will be over uh, sooner than later. But thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Sally. I'm delight delighted to be with you today. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.